why I had you watch that is I want to talk about the authority we can have in Christ. But that video showed us the authority that humans have on this planet. The amazing amount of things we can do to harvest food, to manipulate metals, to manipulate houses, to manipulate nature. That's all authority we've been given. We all know that in the beginning of the Bible, one of the first purposes that we were given on the planet is to have dominion over creation. You just watched five minutes of some of the most advanced things humans have done to have dominion over creation. But what about our soul? What about the authority we have in our soul and in our spirit before God? We've done so much to take care of the planet or to use the planet, animals, our food, our resources. But what about the authority we have in Christ when it comes to the spiritual realm? Where are those videos? They're hard to find, but it's because that's a level of authority. It's a level of dominion that's almost, you can't almost put pictures to it, right? It's hard to judge how we have authority over the planet when it comes to our relationships, spiritual warfare, and how we judge whether the world is suffering or whether the world is at peace, right? I want to share with you that even though we can't take a video of it, the amount of process that goes into just what humans have done while we've been on the planets, the same amount of process and mechanisms have gone into spiritual authority that Christ has given us. And that's why we spend our lives reading through the Bible and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit to guide us is because we have a job to do. Just like a lot of those machines had a certain purpose, a certain function. In spiritual warfare, we have authority in Christ which is the overarching mechanism for what he wants us to do. If you'll turn with me to John 14 to read through it. We're going to read through John chapter 14. In your Bibles, that's the fourth gospel and the 14th chapter. And we're going to read through this chapter to kind of dissect and look at what it is, this authority that, that we've been given And maybe we don't realize. Verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am, you also will be. You know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going. (laughs) How can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us, Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, 
Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but on the Father who dwells in me to does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves that you have seen. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he keeps my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, and you have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I am no longer... I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do, as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This chapter can be a little confusing, because he's saying, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, the Father will be in you. The Holy, it's, like, it's like a ping pong of who's in who, right? But the bottom line is it's very, very simple. And I'm going to attempt to draw it here so that we can really take this truth that the Father has given us authority through Jesus and we need to just be a part of that authority. We know that in this life... It's hard to believe Jesus when he says that the Father is in us, right? Because we don't feel that it's very evident. But he says in verse 20, In that day when the Comforter comes to you, I am in my Father. So he says that Jesus is in the Father, right? 
And he goes on to say that you are in me. And that he is inside of us. The reason this is very important, it showed up. That is terrible handwriting. But the gist of it is, we're not in the Father. Because the Father is the ultimate authority. He's the top. He's the source of creation. He's the source of our humanity. He's the source of redemption. He's the source of our purpose. And the Father gave us Jesus so that we could be connected to him. So Jesus is the conduit that we have to the Father. This is why religion doesn't make sense. Because we don't need anyone in between us and the Father anymore. Because we have Jesus. So any religion that tries to give you things to do, things to mentally attain to, or things to experience, like Pastor Chris was saying, they are completely out of this authoritative process. Jesus is in us and we are in him the moment we are saved. And we have access to his authority for our lives. Anything outside of this is religion. It's your attempt to have access to the Father by bypassing, by bypassing Christ. God won't honor that. We know elsewhere in the Bible it says, I am the narrow way, I am the door, speaking of Jesus. That means we have to go through Christ to have authority. And that's hard for a lot of people because the idea of Jesus, if they've grown up with religion, is a bad experience. So our job is to bring that true authority of who Jesus and the Father is to people so that they can understand past religion. Christ establishes authority with the Father in this chapter. And in our daily life, we have suffering that always seems like we don't have authority in our situations. And it seems like we don't have opportunity to actually do something different than the tribulation or the suffering or the pain or the hurt or the confusion that we're experiencing, right? It's evident that we're human, but we have hope. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit given to us. We need to just tap into this authoritative structure and in that process, not as a byproduct, this authoritative process is not like if I walk up to Christ as if he's a vending machine and I put my money in and I punch the right numbers I'll get what I want that's not what being in Christ is all about being in Christ is sitting down at a table and sharing a meal with somebody and getting to know them in Revelation it says come and sup with me have dinner with me what do you do when you're eating with people you turn the TV off you put the books away you pay attention to the person across the table with you If that's foreign to you, come talk to me afterwards. But you talk, you have a relation, and you don't know what they're going to say. And you don't know what you're going to say. It's different every time. But that relationship of connecting to the person of Christ is how we have authority outside of ourselves, And that is a relationship. Christ's purpose was to prepare three things for us. He He prepared eternity for us. He started the church for us. And he also gave us truth to guide everything that we're going to do. 
Because when it comes to authority, what are some of the examples we have? We have politics, right? Government. We have our places of business. And we also have families. But those three places are all based on right and wrong. Right and wrong. And they try to have authority to say this is right and this is wrong. And the government puts into place the ability to enforce right versus wrong. So do companies and so do families. The only problem with that is that's human authority. And that stops at the place of right and wrong. But Christ, with his authority, said that I'm going to teach you life, which is higher than right and wrong. Because we know in the Bible in Genesis that there was two trees in the garden and they were given very specific labels. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good and evil is what we now call right and wrong. It's a separate tree and God said don't eat of it or you'll die. So human authority has a limitation. It dies. Even right or wrong, human authority dies. It's limited. The other tree in the garden was the tree of life. Why did he not say not to eat of the tree of life? There's scholars who say that maybe at some point they may have eaten of that tree. Because he then, after they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, couldn't eat the tree of life. And that would have been eternal life. We had a choice as humans back in the garden. And actually, we have a choice every moment to live in the authority of God's life or to live in the authority of what we call right and wrong. This chapter is a heavy meditation on allowing the Father and the Spirit and Christ in you to guide you as you make decisions, not just for right and wrong, but for life. And if you pay attention to the disciples, Thomas said, where are you going? Philip says, where's the Father? And then what does Thomas say even later? Or Judas how are you going to do this? They asked all the questions that were already in front of them in the person of Christ. All of his answers are, I'm right in front of you. It's a relationship. It's a person to get to know. And as we know Christ, we have authority. So that begs the question, how the heck do we get to know Christ? We have three things. You have the word. You have the word of God. Reading it and putting it in your heart is how you get to know Christ. John 1, 1 says he is the word. We have the Holy Spirit. The comforter was given to us to teach us how to walk in the authority. And we have this church community. We are one body. We can connect with each other, help each other out. And sometimes when we doubt what authority we have in the world, just share your doubt with someone else here and they can encourage you in the authority that you have as children. Amen? I want to talk about 1 Corinthians, tying into this theme of authority as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church about the divisions that they had going on. The Corinthian church had a lot of problems going on. I'm not going to go into them, but his solution to the problems 
was to say, look, because of God and his grace, we have a plan. The words master builder is not just someone who knows how to build. It's someone who knows how to plan how to build. And they always start with what? The foundation. You don't start with the roof and then build the house and then build the foundation. You have to start with foundation. What is our foundation for God's authority? It will always be grace. If we want to get to know God's authority on this planet for our lives, we have to get to know grace. That's the foundation. And in that foundation, we are also architects of redemption that we can bring to people. Now, that's scary because an architect is also someone who plans. But an architect is someone who has studied how to build and has studied how to make it clear to other people how to build. He writes blueprints up. He, he does pad drawings. An architect is someone who takes from the entire industry of building and says, here's how you do it right. Our job is to be architects to other people with the authority of grace and tell other people... God loves you. Jesus Christ is with you in the midst of your trouble. We can tell other people, hey, you're trying to build a foundation on alcohol, on sex, and on drugs, or on TV and the American dream and your job, or trying to build a foundation on your family. And our job as architects is to say, look, there's a different set of blueprints to live your life by. Not to ignore your family, not to ignore other people, but start from the word and the spirit and the church community and then move to your family and help them see God's grace in authority. Amen? I just have a few more things to say about this. Our culture makes it really hard to have authority in Christ. Why? Because our enemy, the devil, has set up society and culture in human authority to always point away from Christ's authority. It's really tough to say that, but it's honestly very true. Not all the time. I'm not stereotyping either. America was founded on a move of God, but the government is still human. So we always have to know that there will be weaknesses and there will be corruption as time goes by if people are not spirit-filled in positions of authority, right? We don't judge the people We judge what happens when the Spirit of God is not leading them. And it's very important when it comes to authority. Your government has a lot of things that say that are true. But culture sometimes conditions truth. They say preserve human life, but they do it because of an agenda. Or they say, you know, do this, but they mean something else. You're... a lot of ways that we find it right now is entertainment has become the prominent thing in our society. TV, sports, the magazines, the social media, our interaction with each other is based on entertainment. How fulfilled can I be by what I can consume? We will have no authority in Christ if we spend our time just consuming the internet, consuming the movies, consuming the video games, if we don't also have a way to be in touch with our creator. If we're just consuming, we've lost our authority. We have to learn how to consume 
the things that give us the authority of Christ, which is the word, his spirit, and his church. And there's another aspect of authority that's very important. Our world uses all the media to push a message of fear. The news is always talking about terrorism, shootings, school problems, drugs, accidents, bad weather, and always bringing to people who are not able to really think through it a spirit of fear. But we know the opposite, right? What does 1 Timothy say about fear? Or 2 Timothy, actually. It's 1 Timothy. I lied. Not on purpose, though. can't find it in my new Bible. In Timothy, it says that we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. A sound mind is the starting point. It's not just power, love, and a sound mind. He's actually starting from the other end. To, to not receive a spirit of fear means you have the spirit of a sound mind. What's the only sound mind on the, uni- on the planet in the universe? Not ours. Are you inside your head ever? There's nothing sound or healthy about it sometimes. The mind of Christ is a sound mind. And the mind of Christ gives us the starting point for authority to love ourselves, And then in loving ourselves, we have power to negate the fear that comes from our society. And in power, we have authority. The word for power, many times in the Bible, is the same word as authority. It's the, one of the Greek words for it is exousia. And it means dynamic power that comes from without yourself. So if we have the mind of Christ that comes from without ourself, and we love ourselves to get rid of the fear in our life, then in power we can love other people. Amen? That's true authority. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes. Thank you. Two. I was looking at chapter one. Two. One seven. Second Timothy chapter two. Verse seven. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. It's so important. And it answers these three questions I'm going to close with. We have to remind ourselves very often, who are we in Christ? That is the starting point for the sound mind. Because if we want to receive the mind of Christ, we have to know that we're his children. People who are not the children of God can't receive the mind of Christ. He can communicate to them, not saying he can't speak to them or reach them, but without his mind and his heart, they, they're, they're lost still. To not be lost is to be his child, because God always takes care of his children. And his children are given his mind but what does that make us his children it makes us part of his authority structure if you come into someone else's house the father isn't going to give you a gift before he gives his own children a gift the father isn't going to give you something to eat unless he's already made sure his children have eaten right 
God makes us his children so that we are nourished with grace first and then we can give it to other people. And that's who we are in Christ. Our identity is that he finished the work. Our job is to just be his children and receive from him. Why are we here is the next thing we have to really focus on. Our job is to not do anything except be his children. That's where our authority lies. And as his children, he then communicates with us. And in John 14, when we read earlier, it said we're going to do greater works than even Christ did on the planet. That's slightly like everyone kind of goes, eh, that's cute to say, but it's not true. You know, we all have that in the back of our head immediately, right? What is that? That's a little bit of doubt of your authority and your privilege in Christ as his children. And you're not to be condemned for having that fear of like, I don't think I'm going to do greater things. The reality is you already are. You live in a time and place with many more people on the planet than Christ even had access to when he was walking on the planet. And we have the canon of scripture and we have the spirit and we have each other. We are his body and as he has finished the work and as we are his body, that means we partake in that finished work and share it with other people. That is our greater work. It's to be a part of the finished work. Amen? The third part that I want to close with It can get a little bit dicey to try to explain that we don't actually have to strive or work to be a part of his authority. But it also takes a little bit of, pardon the word, work on our part to rest and not strive and get out of the way for Christ to work. But he's already prepared for that. That's what the finished work is, that Christ died, not us. And we walk in that. We live in that day by day. By waking up every morning and saying, less of me, more of him. But we don't do anything. We just look to him and he does the work of moving us out of our own way. And that's why we're here to do that work in our own heart. And then other people will see that. And then we'll be able to communicate that and draw them in and disciple them into the finished work of Christ. Hudson Taylor has a quote. And he says in this particular vein, after I think his second wife had died while they were on the mission field, he said these four quick lines. He said, the work, um, bear not a single care thyself. Just one is too much for thee. The work is mine, capital M, and mine alone. Your work is to rest in me. The only thing we have to do is rest in the word and in the spirit, and in the authority we have. I found this interesting story. I'll close with this. There's a, um, a parable where there's a fox in the jungle, and he's just making his way through the jungle, and he is minding his own business, looking for his next meal, and a tiger pounces out of the bush in front of the fox. And the tiger says, stand still. I don't want to chase you. I'm going to eat you. And the fox says, you can't eat me. I'm the king of the jungle. I, if you eat me, you're going to be in trouble with the person who sent me to rule this jungle. And the tiger thinks, well, if that's true, prove yourself before I eat you. So the fox said, follow me. 
and watch what happens when all the other animals see me coming, but follow behind me. <laughs> and as they walked, all the other animals got the heck out of there, because there's a fox being followed by a tiger. And so the tiger eventually didn't eat him because he thought he was the king of the jungle. I assume by your laughing you get the joke and you're just not laughing to make me happy. We have the spirit inside of us. And when it comes to the jungle of life that we're involved in, the mess that life is, when it comes to work, when it comes to family, if we walk in as just ourselves, as just a fox, and fox is the idea that you know, we're cunning, we can get out of our own way, we can manipulate things, you know, we're a little bit, you know, the, the phrase is oh, a very foxy thing to do, like mm-hmm. sneaky, manipulative, all these words come to mind. Foxes get a bad rap. It's really kind of terrible. They're kind of cute. But what, what authority did the fox actually have as he walked through the jungle? The authority of the tiger walking behind him. We have the Holy Spirit walking with us. If you doubt me, Amos 3.3 3 says that how can, two walk to, how can two agree except they walk together? We are walking with the Spirit of God. We are walking with his authority. It's only when we ignore the fact that he's with us that we run into trouble. So that's my closing thought, is enjoy the authority we have in Christ by resting in his work. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. We're going to have another song to end out. And we will take a uh, brief offering to just be able to support the community here. Father God, thank you for our morning. Thank you, as we heard from Pastor Chris, that we don't have to live in our felt needs, but that you already understand our needs and you give us provisions outside of our suffering when we look to you. Even though we're sometimes we're cisterns that are, you know, our hearts and our souls are lazy, but you still love us in the midst of that and move us past our pain and suffering. And Lord, thank you for your authority and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.